Hello and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. Your favorite hosts are returning once again for today's episode. I am Acorn Bandit and with me we have... Oh, who is it? Is it some? Is there another favorite host? I wonder if someone's like, you know, I really like Avatar the Podcast, but those two are not my favorite Avatar the Podcast hosts. It's like, what? Well, the new ones, I guess, would be Janet Varney and Dante Bosco, right? Oh, you know what? You're right. I was thinking more specifically our show, not not the other <laughs> ones, not the plethora of other shows that exist out there on the internet. It's just for me, there's only Avatar the podcast you do say it the best i practiced quite a bit so thank you (laughs) we're so excited to go through our next episode which is book three episode seven the runaway or as we like to call it toph and ang's side hustle yes that's right this is such a fun episode a nice revisiting it's been a long time since i've watched book three so i had a lot of fun watching this episode but first Mm -hmm. we're going to go through a couple more five star reviews yes that's right the first one comes from none other than goody it's a goose and they write i love this with eh, i'm gonna eyeball this one five exclamation marks i'm just gonna say five maybe we'll keep it more vague several exclamation marks (laughs) My brother forced me to watch Avatar and no, I love it. One exclamation mark. Uh, Your brother loves you very much to force you to watch such a wonderful animated series. So thank you. They obviously care about you a lot. Yes. Yes. So thank them for us. Thank them for yourself. And we're going to thank you for that wonderful five-star review. Our next five-star review comes from Bojangles for Life, who writes five out of five momos. What a great podcast. It's been incredible to binge the first two seasons since I'm a later listener to the pod, but I'm so happy I get to anticipate season three episode by episode. Excited to hear more. Of course, this was written on June 3rd, so we have started season three. We're hoping that you're enjoying the episode so far. Bojangles also gives their favorite character list, their top five picks. Number five being the boulder. Number four being Aang. Number three, Iroh, number two, Sokka, and number one, Toph. I can't be angry about that top five. Nope, me neither. It's wonderful. It's great. The boulder coming in, though, on the top five is new. That's a surprise, but a pleasant one. I have to say, maybe not my top five, but definitely a top character for sure. Absolutely. And the last one comes from Waterbending Nana. And now when I read this one, my heart melted a little bit. And everyone else will know why. After I'm reading it, Nana writes, awesome podcast. I am 76 and my grandson watched this with me. He showed me this podcast and it is very fun. Oh, thanks for listening, Nana. That is, I love every single person that recommends our podcast. But I think this story for me is just like a grandson recommended our podcast to their grandmother. Yeah. And not only our podcast, but also from the sounds of it avatar the show yeah yeah so that's like wild and and you know what it's really cool to think that like a show like this can bring a couple generations together even more so absolutely that's really nice thank you so much everyone for writing in and giving these five-star reviews remember if you want your five-star review read right here on avatar the podcast i'm milking that title today i don't know why (laughs) i do not know i can't tell why anyways 
uh, leave a five-star written review because if it's not written, we can't read it over on Apple podcast and it will get read right here on the show. Unless you don't want it to be read on the show, then just write, uh, I don't want this to be read on the show, Greg and Acorn. But if you do, that's how you do it. Uh, we super appreciate everyone taking the time to do this. It's been really cool. As of recording this right now, we are currently at 96 ratings that I can see on the Apple US store. And I thought we would never get beyond like 20, to be honest. I know. So I know. This is absolutely wild. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Actually wild. Yeah. All right. Well, now that my heart is just a big pile of mush from all those kind words from our listeners, let's jump into the um, the scheming, probably the most schemy episode we have seen so far. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to have a hot take. I'm going to come clean about this one. I did not enjoy this episode as much as I thought I would. You know, me too. And I thought about that a little bit. And I think it's actually because the main bit is the focus of the episode. We don't really have a subplot going on except for the whole Katara is a mom figure and Toph misses her parents kind of thing. But really in the scope of the rest of the episodes we've watched so far in this season, it's just a little shallower than the rest. Yeah. And it feels even more shallow. That's an excellent way to describe it. After that last episode, last couple episodes, they were so deep and meaningful. We learned so much history and, and yeah, you know, it was just really about if not someone's history, then who they are. And now we're getting Mm -hmm. like, let's just scam the villagers. And it's like, maybe this would have been better placed before the avatar and the fire Lord, or even before the beach. It doesn't matter where this happens chronologically right now. Right. You make a good point because even in The Painted Lady, they make a reference to their master plan and their timeline and getting to the Fire Lord in time before the Day of Black Sun. But this one, in this episode, they don't really have any other mentions aside from Combustion Man. Like His presence is a little bit more clued into the timeline, which technically means it should fall after the beach because that was after the point where Zuko hired Combustion Man. But Combustion Man aside, yeah, Yeah. everything else probably could have come earlier and made it fit more. Yeah. And I I think they were going for that kind of like balance, right? Like they had such a serious last couple episodes. Now they wanted something a little more lighthearted, a little more maybe um, kid friendly for lack of a better term. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I just got that out of my system. Everyone knows where I stand. On the runaway. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy this episode and it can't be your favorite episode. It just for me, let's just say it's not a highlight of season three for me. We'll leave it at that. Yep. Yep. Well, this episode was written by Joshua Hamilton and directed by Giancarlo Volpe. And this is actually the first and only episode that has an episode begin in medias res which is when a narrative work opens in the middle of the plot. So we open in the middle of the square in Fire Fountain City. Mm-hmm. There's this massive statue of Lord Ozai breathing fire at the sky. And Toph runs into the square and is pursued by local authorities who ensnare her in a rope net. We have no idea what's going on. And she actually yells at Katara, who stands nearby, accusing her older friend of betraying her. Katara says, you brought this on yourself. I had no choice. And Toph is dragged away. And of course, at this point, you're thinking, whoa, what has happened? Mm. Has Katara turned evil? Did she turn on Team Avatar? What is happening here? And we go back in time and figure out and learn what has happened before leading up to this point. 
Yes, yes. And also, I'll put this out there too. I'm going to try to keep negative comments about the episode to a minimum. But I also think that I've seen too many of this kind of like, what do you call it? Media res? Yeah. In medias or medias res. Yeah, yeah. I've seen too much of that in the past five years from the CWDC shows. I was just going to say, this is a very CW type of thing. I'm just like, as soon as this happened, I was just like, uh, and it's not the writer's fault because this came well before all of that. But for me right now, having consumed the majority of the DCCW universe, I'm just like, oh, great. One of these things again. Um, they, it was pulled off very successfully. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to say <laughs> positive now. That's it. Yep. I want to point out the fact that they're in this city with a giant statue of fire lord ozai in the center of it actually from like an art standpoint from a design standpoint it is very very striking because the way the the village is structured is almost like curving down into the square where the statue is Mm -hmm. and i learned that we're actually going to find out more about this town or i actually am using the words interchangeably there is a size difference between town and city but i am just using them using (laughs) them both that's okay this city is actually going to make an appearance in the Kyoshi novels. Mm. So we're going to find out more about its background, its history. But for now, I will say that it is located on Shuhan Island, which is the second largest island in the Fire Nation Mm -hmm. and east of Capital Island. Fire Fountain City is named for the large statue of Fire Lord Ozai in its center. And it actually had a different name before that statue was erected. So we're going to learn more about that later. That statue of Fire Lord Ozai just makes Ozai look like he has wicked heartburn. <laughs> like if you look at it from the side, I bet you yeah. it looks like the diagram of heartburn medicine. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that guy. Yeah. That's what he looks yeah. like. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I had wicked heartburn the other day, but <laughs> I just saw that. I was like, yeah, I feel for you, Ozai. I feel for you. That's a perfect low hanging meme opportunity. Yep. Listening audience. There you go. Three days earlier, we find our heroes in the middle of a training session with Aang. Toph and Katara face off in a field next to the riverbank, readying themselves. Nearby, Aang ties his Fire Nation belt over his eyes and tells his masters that he's ready for training. Using seismic sense to see where the two girls are, he also readies himself and then advances across the field, dodging rock attacks along the way. He redirects both Katara's water attacks and Toph's earth attacks back at them, and Toph compliments him on his ability to visualize and then attack. One of Toph's rocks sails over Aang's head when he sinks into the ground and knocks Katara over. When Katara tells Toph she should take her own advice of visualizing, then attacking, Toph calls her Madam Fussy Britches. This, of course, infuriates Katara, who launches a huge wall of water across the land to drench Toph. And we have moved away from a training session for Aang into a flat out fight between friends. Yeah. Yeah. They got like really into attacking each other instead of training Aang for a second there. Yep. It was like one of those things where like, I don't know, I can relate when I'm playing a game and I just get so like focused on something else I'm not supposed to do. And then also the, the main quest is like, hi, remember me? It's like, eh. Oh, yeah, you. (laughs) Yep. Totally relate. I will say it's really cool to see Aang use seismic sense because up until this point, we've only seen Toph use it. So not only did she teach him how to use it, but he's also been incorporating it into his training with both Toph and Katara. Yes. I was kind of surprised to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've like you said, we've only seen Toph 
really display that. And we haven't seen Toph show him how to do that yet either. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just a behind the scenes, off camera, happen, now you know, good, good for you. Yep. And it also shows us that it's not just an ability that Toph can use. It is teachable. Yes, yes. And by the way, uh, the phrase or term or nickname Madam Fussy Bridges is from the Shawshank Redemption. If it's not familiar to you, you've seen that movie. Now you know why. I can't remember who said it to who. I want to say one of the guards said it to someone. I was going to watch it in preparation, but then Black Widow came out. So I watched that instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I have not seen the Shawshank Redemption, what? but I did see that little factoid. Yep. Oh, that's I know. such a good movie. There are so many movies I haven't seen that I probably should have. That's such a good movie. Morgan Freeman. Oh, man. Yep. Gets me every time. Okay. This is not a Shawshank Redemption podcast. <laughs> One final note before we move on. In this scene, we can see that Toph is using that bit of space metal that Sokka gave her as an arm bangle. Yeah. And that's going to come up later. Mm-hmm. The two benders fight until they collide and fall over. Aang, still blindfolded and oblivious to their bickering, asks if they're taking a break from training. With the others distracted, Sokka sees an opportunity to try a sneak attack on Aang, which he announces loudly. Sneak attack! Something like that. (laughs) And Aang's like, yeah, Sokka, maybe next time you should try not to announce it before you do it. Which, again, Sokka is a great and brilliant tactician. I can't wrap my head around why he yelled, other than for the funny, why he yelled sneak attack. This episode is coming after Sokka's master. So I think it was just more of a funny. Yeah. Yeah. Him being the goofy non-bender. That's true. He's not actually trying. He's just like, yeah, yeah, he's just going in for the, the distraction and trying to partake in the fun, if you will. Yep. Katara and Toph stop fighting only when Aang reminds them that they're supposed to be training him. Toph suggests they go have some fun and the group of friends leave for the nearby settlement, not including Katara. The friends pass by a messenger hawk post office and Sokka tells the others that he's been thinking about getting one for himself. That way, he wouldn't have to talk to anyone. He could just send them messages. Sokka would love the 21st century. You don't have to talk to (laughs) anyone. You could just message everyone if you wanted to. Smartphones all day. Mm -hmm. Digital birds. Send in your tweets. Digital hockeys. Digital hockeys, yes. The hawk phone. (laughs) I just want to remind everyone, too, that Sokka's messenger hawk, it actually reminded me of the fact that Zuko was originally going to have a messenger hawk as a pet that was supposed to have a rivalry with Momo. And we could see some of that in the unaired pilot episode. I had that exact same thought when hockey showed up. I was like, oh, I see where this is going to go. And I thought for sure that they were going to use maybe some of that well, I think it was the unaired pilot, the original pilot, mm-hmm. where yep. it was hockey versus Momo. I thought they're going to show some of that. They didn't, but it was a nice callback to the fans who know that bit of trivia. Yes, exactly. Aang asks what they're going to do with their last silver piece, and Toph tells them that they can get more money with it. She leads them to a scam artist sitting at a table across from another man and explains as he shuffles three shells across the tabletop that his trick discreetly flicking a rock into his sleeve as he's shuffling it under three cups is how he tricks seeing folk. But Toph can feel that rock with her earth bending and can't be tricked. Real quick, this is the only casting note that I have in the entire episode because it's pretty much just this guy. Oh, wow. And well, everyone else's, if I couldn't place the other voices, but they have. there's a couple additional voices, but that's it. The dealer, as he's called, is voiced by none other than Joe Alasky. And now 
I either missed this back in the swamp or I glossed over it. But he played the broadsword man from the episode The Swamp. And Joe Alasky is actually one of Mel Blanc's successors. Now, Mel Blanc is a famous voice actor who voiced Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Sylvester in Tweety and Looney Tunes. And he's just like a legend for voice acting. Joe Alasky oh took over for him up until about 2016. Uh, when Joe did die of cancer at the age of 63. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah. He still had some, you know, some good years left in him, but he, like I said, voiced Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Sylvester, Tweety, and also Plucky Duck in Tiny Toons. Oh, wow. Okay. Pretty cool. Lots of Warner Brothers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, once you get in with the Warner Brother fam, you know, it's like the Disney fam. You're just there. You're set for life. And if you can success, family. yes, yeah, family. <laughs> That's the best Vin Diesel I can do. <laughs> <laughs> the dealer spots Toph and noticing that she's blind, asks if she'd like to play a game. Toph pulls on her poor blind girl act and asks how she's supposed to play if she can't see the cups. The dealer tells her she doesn't have to see to be lucky. Going along with it, Toph sits in front of the table and feels around, pretending to be helpless. She gives the dealer their last silver piece and the dealer shows them the one rock on the table before covering it and shuffling the three cups. As he's moving the cups around, he flicks two more rocks under the shells to make it look like Toph won easily. Toph chooses one of the cups and sure enough, there's a rock underneath. The dealer butters her up by telling her she's amazing and asks if she'd like to make the game more interesting. Toss in her friend's fine sword and he'll put up 20 silver pieces against it. Toph snatches Sokka's sword and tells the dealer she'll do it for 40. So really quickly, what if you're kind of half paying attention, there's a couple of really kind of cool things that happen here. Toph is like, oh, I'm blind. How can I possibly like she's really acting it up. And Mm -hmm. on the slide in the background, Aang tosses her a silver piece and she catches it midair. I did not catch that. It's like the slyest thing that you'll ever see. And it's like, it's like the dealer's not looking. He does that. And she like grabs it, puts it in her pocket or her sleeve or whatever, and then takes it out as if she's presenting it for the first time. How sneaky. I love that. It's so funny. And the dealer obviously put the two extra rocks or pebbles in there on purpose. So it would increase her odds dramatically. So she would win. That's a common sneaky con artist trick for these kind of things where A, it makes you look better because it's like, oh, this is a winnable game. And Mm. B, it makes Toph feel better as, oh, I can win this. Ups the ante. He takes the rock away at the last moment and wins all of the money versus like, you know, a short loss. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But Toph is too smart for him. Mm -hmm. Thinking he's made some easy money, the dealer confidently starts shuffling the cups. He flicks one by one each of the rocks back into his sleeve, which would leave no rocks under the cups. But Toph pulls the last rock back under. She picks the winning cup and shocks the dealer when he finds the rock still under it. And at this point, they snatch the bag of silver. They snatch the sword mm-hmm. and just book it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just run down the street. Yep. They're just like, okay, bye. Coming out on top. That's what they call that. This is also important to know. What we're seeing Toph do here is demonstrating the ability to see rocks that are not actually in contact with the ground. Mm-hmm. That's kind of new. I don't know if that's a result of practicing with Aang or what, but so far everything's been kind of centered around the ground for her. Yeah. And I I like to think that this is a development that she actually has been practicing after the desert 
Because remember, they were trying to flee from the buzzard wasps down the rock face. And mm. Sokka and Katara were like pointing her in different directions and saying, fire that way. Yeah. Well, I think she's actually been practicing and now can control rocks when they're, I guess, in air. I wonder if she can sense rocks that are in the air. Not in the way that like we're thinking with her tough sense, let's call it. But like if she just has a feeling if she's near Earth. Like in her soul. That's how I imagine it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because when you think about it, if she is bending, just normal bending, bending a rock from the ground and launching it into the air, it's really just an extension of that process. Yeah. It's sensing the rock at your feet and then continuing to sense it as it's launched into the air. So I like to think in my head canon, she's been practicing doing it almost backwards and sensing things as they're already in the air and maintaining that control of them. Interesting. Very interesting. Very good, Toph. We've seen like, it's really cool that we've seen like Katara really get a lot better at waterbending as she's going through this adventure. And a lot of that development wasn't necessarily done in front of us. It was done off camera with Master Paku, or it was just done through random trainings with Aang. But it's really cool Mm -hmm. to kind of see Toph get better because she was presented, unlike Katara, as already being like the best earthbender. Katara was just a waterbender and she was not very good at it when her brother would get wet after every time that she tried to practice her waterbending. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that not only can Aang make uh, novices, for lack of a better term, to bending better just by you know being there and going back and forth in her friendship, but also masters. Yeah, I think it's really impressive with Toph in particular because you're right. She has been well known as the best earthbender anyone has ever seen. But even so, she still has room to grow. She has become the first metal bender and she's continued to fine tune her ability to the point where she can now sense rocks that are in the air. So, yeah, just again, incredible storytelling, very believable. I love the character growth and development. So as we say almost every episode, yeah. props to the team, props. props to the writers. Well done, team. Toph, Sokka, and Aang return to camp with baskets of supplies, but Katara isn't very happy that they cheated to get the money. Toph defends their actions, saying they cheated a cheater, so it evens out. Stealing from a stealer, it's fine. Mm. Aang makes an avatar promise that they won't make a habit of doing these scams, but what happens? They make a habit out of doing the scams. <laughs> They scam the whole city. Everyone. If you got a money and you're scamming someone else, guess what? You're getting scammed. Yep. I think this is, it's really funny actually to watch a trope like this play out because you know what's going to happen. This is like the premise of every single gambling story that exists. Yes. You get good, you scam, you cheat, whatever. You get big payoffs and then you just keep escalating it until you're caught. Like that's the story every single time. Yes. So at this point, we see a montage of Toph winning at Rolling Sticks, a strongman game, kind of carnival-esque, where you take this big sledgehammer and smack a panel and the rock or bell goes to the top of this pillar. And she even pretends at some other point to get hit by someone in a carriage. And we actually see Sokka wearing his beard that he used when he was posing yes. as uh, as like, yeah, Aang's father back in the, the Fire Nation capital. Mr. Wang Fire. <laughs> Mr. Wang Fire's beard. Yep. <laughs> yep. We see him there pretending to be a constable or something and collecting lots of bags of money. So <laughs> the kids are making out like bandits. Yeah. Top pretending to be hit by a carriage is actually something in the real world. 
It's an insurance scam and it's known as a flopsy. <gasps> is it? Yeah. Well, how ironic that there is a character named Flopsy. I was thinking that. I don't know what the connection is, but that's what it's <laughs> called in the real world. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, when you take this is probably a stab in the dark and total coincidence. Yeah. But when you think about it, Flopsy was first introduced as like a redirect. That's true. So maybe. Maybe. I think it's just kind of a coincidence, though. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Back at camp. Katara warns her friends that if they keep doing these scams, something bad is going to happen. Toph asks if she can stop being such a sourpuss for once and lighten up. We're traveling the world, Toph says, making easy money, having fun with no parents to tell us what to do. Katara picks up on Toph's wording and wonders aloud if Toph is acting like this because of her parents. They were controlling her, so she ran away. And now she acts like her parents don't exist. Katara muses, Toph probably misses them, but doesn't want to deal with that. She then adds, we have enough money. You need to stop this. But Toph tells her she'll stop when she wants to stop and storms off to sit in one of her earth slab tents. She does the equivalent of slamming the door on, on her mother's face. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Also in the middle of this conversation, Sokka proposes a very catchy name for the three eyed freak who is pursuing them, which is Sparky Sparky Boom Man. One of Sokka's finest, if I have to say. It just rolls right off the tongue. It really does. Sparky, sparky, boom, man. So direct. He doesn't waste any characters or any extra words on that name. It's just perfect. Yep. A little bit of onomatopoeia. Yeah. You know, it has like tangible sound to it. You mm. hear the sparks. You hear the boom. <laughs> yep. You see the man. <laughs> yeah. You see the man. Yep. <laughs> Oh, Sokka goes back to the Messenger Hawk post office in Fire Fountain City and purchases his new friend, Hockey. Hockey, he says, welcome to Team Avatar. My name's Sokka and I'm your new owner. And as such, I should warn you that there's already a lemur in our group, so I don't want to see any fighting. He coos at Hockey, complimenting him on his pretty feathers when he does a double take at a poster on the wall. It's a wanted poster for Toph. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum 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 cue dramatic music also i do want to talk about this wall of posters because we focus on the poster for toff mm -hmm. but actually as sokka's walking we see a couple other posters and something that's really cool about the production of this show is mike and brian actually found a master calligrapher to do all the writing in this world in Ooh. chinese so everything you see that has Chinese writing on it actually means something and can be translatable. That's awesome. So there is a poster with a messenger hawk on it, and it is an advertisement that reads, Messenger Bird Training Class. Meet at sunrise at the post office. Each lesson is three copper pieces. Hold on. Mm -hmm. So does that mean, just throwing this out there, keep in mind, I know what happens later with hockey. Does yep. that mean that you buy the hawk and the classes separately? I think so. And so. I think that's why Sokka did not buy <laughs> training class. He's like, I got the bird. I'm done. He didn't realize that you have to train the bird after you get it. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> yep. Toph's wanted poster reads, wanted the runaway. Authorities are offering a reward of a thousand gold coins for the arrest of this 12 year old girl. She disguises herself as a blind person. And although she is small, she is extremely dangerous. Any information will be promptly rewarded. I love that they don't believe that Toph is actually blind. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
That's the I can't best part. fathom someone actually being blind and being able to scam the pants out of all of these scammers. Yeah. Well, it's probably because like she runs away too. So and when she runs away, she's not like acting blind like you would traditionally think about like with a cane or a seeing pet of some kind or even like walking into something or tripping she's just out because of her tough sense so Mm -hmm. i I just love that little detail it's very nice it's so good and finally there is one more poster on the very far right before the others that poster has two dragons that are entwined in the shape of a heart and reads Ember Island Theater. This, of course, is a reference to the Ember Island Players, which uh-huh. is a later episode we're going to be watching. And most likely, it is a poster for Love Amongst Dragons, which is a play that we're going to learn has a special significance to Zuko. Mm. And then also, I have to ask, Greg, mm-hmm. as the designer of our Toph pin, did you get inspiration from Toph's Wanted poster? I did. I did a little bit. The original, if anyone wants a little behind the scenes peek, the original idea was to try to make the pin more like that, like crude drawing because I loved it so much. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think we kind of both decided that it wouldn't make as nice of a pin with all the nice colors and stuff like that. So we went with like just the same kind of smile almost with less jagged teeth. (laughs) But it, it was a big inspiration because I just love that poster so much. The devilish grin. I yeah. do really enjoy the scrawly nature of her picture on the wanted poster and like the jagged teeth and stuff. It's but so I do think the pin turned out amazing. And I so once again, if you all want to support the podcast, actually buying the enamel pins is one of the ways you can do that. You can check them out on joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com or on Etsy if you search for Joyson Studio. We now have an Oppa pin and a Toph pin. And I'm actually really proud of the way the backer turned out for Toph. Yeah, it looks so we, cool. Because we really, yeah, we really ran with that wanted poster design. Yeah, we did. It's so good. When Sokka makes it back to camp, he finds Toph happily counting their scammed money while Aang and Katara practice waterbending below on the rocks in the river. Forgetting once again that Toph is blind, Sokka shows her the wanted poster and she makes the snappy comment... Well, it sounds like a sheet of paper, but I guess you're referring to what's on the sheet of paper. Sokka explains it's a wanted poster and Toph is delighted by this. The runaway. I love my new nickname. Is there a picture of me? Does it look good? Sokka agrees that her picture does look pretty good, but then says, maybe Katara was right. These scams are drawing too much attention to us. Toph tells him not to be such a worrywart like his sister and challenges him to think of it this way. Now they've got plenty of money to help with his invasion plan. Continuing to speak Sokka's language of money and shopping excursions, Toph gives him a few coins for a new map and a shiny atlas. I do love this part because she is totally working him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I so I also I really, really, really love that Sokka takes a moment. She's like, oh, does that picture look like me? And he takes a moment and he goes, yeah, it kind of looks like you. And it's just... It does, but it doesn't. But also, it looks like Sokka's style. I yeah. like to think, again, headcanon time. There is a Fire Nation version of Sokka for oh, many of his traits. And someone says, hey, I don't know, insert Fire Nation name here. We need you to, to draw this wanted poster. Here's the girl. And they give a description and he like draws it out. Yeah. And it's basically Sokka's style when he drew Appa as this like floating cloud with yeah. snakes. Yeah. Also, something I just thought of and it is making me a little sad is I think that's also how Sokka sees Toph with like the sharp teeth. 
And we Aww. all know Toph has a little crush on him right now. That's true. <laughs> so she, she sees him, you know, as like, I don't know if she sees him like as this like hero or whatever, but like she definitely sees him in a different light and he sees her as a little gremlin. <laughs> like a gremlin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor That Toph. is a little funny, but sad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Just then, Katara and Aang arrive and Katara is dismayed that Sokka bought a messenger hawk. When Aang asks how it works, Sokka ponders for a moment. Huh, never actually thought about that. He attempts to send Hockey to the South Pole to Grand Grand and Hockey shakes no. I think he gets it. Sokka grins. <laughs> He's so oblivious. I love Hockey though. I do too. Yeah. And I love now that we've gone over the poster, the fact that he was like cooing and loving on his bird, walking right by the instructions yep. on how to use it. Come to training. We do see that Hockey can deliver messages, but short distances later yep. on. So yeah, I wonder if it's like like a DLC add-on for those of you who don't play games, downloadable content is just you pay $30 and you get the whole game essentially is the strategy. Not that I'm salty about it or anything, but that's basically <laughs> what happens. Uh, so hockey has DLC. That's my headcanon right now. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Also at this point, Momo hops up on Aang's shoulder, sees hockey and is not pleased. Mm -mm. And hockey is not happy to mm -mm. see Momo. And they get into a fight around Sokka's head, which he is not equipped to stop. <laughs> he just flails. He's like, hockey, no. Down bird. <laughs> Later that day, Sokka and Toph stroll back into camp from another successful afternoon of scamming. And Katara has had enough. She gets up and pulls out Toph's wanted poster, dramatically unrolling it in front of her and asking what it is. Seriously, what's with you people? Toph exclaims. I'm blind. Katara tells her it's her wanted poster and asks if she's proud of it. When Toph asks where Katara found it, Katara lies and says she found it in Toph's things when she was just tidying up. Toph storms off and accuses Katara of acting like a mom. You think it's your job to boss everyone around, but it's not. You're just a regular kid like the rest of us. So stop acting like you can tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. Toph leaves and Katara storms off. You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> One thing I excluded from this is that very awkward moment where Katara turns to Aang and Sokka and is like, do I act like a mother? Am I motherly? Straighten up. Stop slouching. Yeah. 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 That was them really rubbing it in and trying to make it really funny. Yeah. It was like... A little too heavy handed for me. It I was think. a little too heavy handed. And I was going to say this is kind of where my lack of intense love for this episode comes in. It's yeah. just everything's very on the nose, I guess. Well, I think they could have made that just as obvious to even kids without using that like sit up example or stand up straight example. Mm -hmm. I feel like if it was just a matter of, I don't know, like he had a smudge on his forehead or something and her wiping that off, I think that would have been just as motherly, but less like, Ooh, we've been shipping them this whole time and now she's his mother. That feel makes me feel weird kind of deal. Yeah. 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 That's who. That evening, Katara and Toph are still mad at each other. They sit on opposite ends of a clearing with Aang and Sokka awkwardly sitting nearby. Sokka gets the harebrained idea to write Katara a note from Toph and deliver it with hockey. But both he and Aang forgot a very important detail. <laughs> Toph can't write. <laughs> I, love, I love this scene. Because Sokka's like, this is what we're going to do. And Aang says, Sokka, that is like, I don't remember the exact thing, but his tone was, Sokka, this is the most brilliant thing you've ever done. And as <laughs> always, solve everything. As always, well done, friend. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. the stupidest, <laughs> stupidest such thing. such blockheads when they're together. <laughs> I love it so much. 
Oh my gosh. So they write this letter, right? They put it in Hockey's little scroll holder, mm-hmm. send him over to Katara. The camera stays in one position the whole time. Katara looks up, grabs the scroll, unrolls it, reads it for a second, and then stands up and yells at them. I know this is you, Sokka. <laughs> and then to really put the icing on top, she's like, I can't stand any of you. I'm out of here. And she just leaves, <laughs> leaves for the river. Oh, man. And and then they're like, well, what if we send this to Toph and say it's Katara? And then mm-hmm. Egg's like, I think we're going to run into the same problem. Yep. Or is it Sokka who said that? One of them was like, I think we're going to run into the same problem. Yep. Small continuity thing here. When Sokka reaches down to pick up a quill to write this letter to Katara, Mm -hmm. there is a ruby eyed monkey sitting next to him with his bag of stuff. And we saw that ruby eyed monkey back on the pirate ship in book one at this point. Yes. And it made a resurfacing too, if not later in book one, then book two as well. This is, I Mm -hmm. think, the third time that we've seen this statue. It is the third time. The second time is when Iroh purchased it. That's right. (laughs) As a decoration. That's right. So wait, then how did they get it? Oh, it's mass produced, you know? Nah. The the pirates are selling these unique and rare wares, but really they're just mass produced pieces of crap, like produced out of Bossing Say or something. I can't be mad at that headcanon. Because it's so funny. (laughs) They turn it over just like Zuko's sword made in Bossing (laughs) Say. Zuko's dagger, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So at this point, now that the hockey plan has failed, Sokka actually walks over to Toph and tells her he needs to talk to her. He takes her out to a cliff and they sit down and he has a heart to heart with her about Katara. He agrees that his sister is pretty much a pain who needs to be right about everything, who can be pretty bossy. But then Sokka says something surprising. Katara's bossiness is something he relies on. He says, When our mom died, that was the hardest time in my life. Our family was a mess. But Katara, she had so much strength. She stepped up and took on so much responsibility. She helped fill the void that was left by our mom. I'm going to tell you something crazy. I never told anyone this before, but honestly, I'm not sure I can remember what my mom looked like. It really seems like my whole life, Katara's been the one looking out for me. She's always been the one that's there. And now when I try to remember my mom, Katara is the only face I can picture. Toph softens and agrees that while Katara sometimes acts motherly, that's not always a bad thing. She's compassionate and kind and actually cares about Toph in a way that her own mother couldn't do. Little do they know, Katara is down in the water below them and hears everything they say. She's touched by what Sokka says about her and begins crying in the river. Toph punches Sokka in the arm and tells him to never tell Katara that she said any of this, which is perfect because Katara heard all of it. We'd both know yeah. that Sokka and Toph would not repeat any of this to her. Mm-mm. So this is the perspective and the information that she needs to be able to move on with her relationship with both of them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very nice heart to heart. And I wonder what must be going through Katara's head when she hears that her brother can't remember their own mother's face. Oh, probably just deep sadness Yeah, and feeling really bad that Her mom is such a huge part of her life because her memory lives on. She has her necklace. She misses her terribly. And then to realize that your brother doesn't have the same memory of her and that you in a lot of ways are that person for him. I think it's it's a lot of mixed feelings. Yeah, I can imagine. When Sokka and Toph return to camp, Katara is already there. She approaches Toph, who thinks she's about to apologize. 
Before Katara can say anything, Toph agrees that her scams are out of control and she's done with them. But Katara surprises everyone by proposing the ultimate scam. One last go with just her and Toph. The scene shifts to Katara and Toph going over the plan. Katara explains that she's going to turn Toph in and collect the reward on her wanted poster. Because as we found out in our translation of the Mm -hmm. posters, Toph is worth like a thousand gold pieces. Yeah, that's a lot of gold. That's a lot. And Katara tells us that is 10 times more than Toph has made in all of our scams. So they're about to make bank. Yes. Do you think bending works on gold? Earthbending? That is a good question. I want to say yes. I feel like because it, it is should. still a metal. Yeah, it's a, it's a precious metal, right? But it's still metal. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like in the scam frame of mind right now. I wonder if you could shave off just a little bit from each gold piece, <laughs> not enough that anyone really knows, but enough mm-hmm. from that one thousand to make it like I don't know, maybe twelve hundred, and then present that. You know what? This is headcanon mode. This yeah. episode, we're coming yeah. up with so much content. I actually think that does happen between Avatar The Last Airbender and Korra. Okay. Because that is so much time of cultural development and industrialization. And Toph starts a metal bending academy and teaches people metal bending. That's right. Someone along the lines, some gangster, scammer, whatever, who's an earthbender, probably learned how to do that and did exactly that. I mean... Oh, I don't even want to think about how you even police something like that. (laughs) Have weights. Have someone who's so adept at metal bending, they can pick up a piece of currency and know exactly how much it weighs and if it's correct. The most overworked person in all of Avatar (laughs) The Last Airbender history right there. Right. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Katara continues with the plan saying that once Toph is in jail, she can just metal bend herself out and then they're on their way. We then see the scene that opened the episode with Toph being captured in the square of Fire Fountain City and a cold, calloused Katara telling her friends she had no choice. Toph brought this on herself. Once Toph is dragged away, Katara is approached by an officer who compliments her on doing the right thing. Katara replies that the right thing is its own reward. After an awkward moment where it seems like the officer's thinking she's declining the reward, Katara clarifies that no, she does want the money. (laughs) And then is led away. Yeah, that's so funny. She's like, oh, just doing the right thing is reward enough. But uh, I I do. I do want that money. Yeah. So about the reward. Yeah. (laughs) Where where do we go for that? Yeah. All seems to be going as planned as Toph is dragged to jail and thrown into a cell. Except it's not a metal cell. It's made of wood. Mm. The young earthbender leans against the wooden grate, realizing what this may mean. Except... This doesn't make sense to me. I know I said I was done with the negativity, but like a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more in this scene. Number Mm -hmm. one, no one knows that Toph is a metal bender. So why would they put her in a wooden cage? Mm -hmm. Number two, there are metal shackles, for lack of a better term, holding the wood cage together. There's two of them. Like bracers or something? Yeah, there's black metal bracers holding the cell together. So she could just yep. bend those. Yep. So... Don't, don't look at it too much. It's a great <laughs> idea. Just squint a little bit and don't worry just about how they know. a little bit. Actually, though, the metal bracers thing is, is a pretty big misstep because yeah. in Japanese culture, you have this technique of woodworking where you make the perfect seam 
so that two pieces of wood slide into place and lock. Mm. So you don't have to use any metal, any nails. It's just wood on wood. So they could have easily taken this concept and incorporated it into the structure of the cell. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a little disappointing to see that like these kind of oversights going on. I will say this and then we'll move on. I did look into this is actually coming up. This is going to be the third continuity wise combustion man sighting that we have. The second Mm -hmm. one took place in the comic books. There's like an ongoing uh, Avatar Last Airbender comic. And I went through that issue and I read it just to see if like maybe Combustion Man fought Toph and realized she was a metal bender and he didn't. He only went up against Sokka and Aang. Oh no, is that a so, huge plot point you just found? It's a or huge, plot hole? huge plot hole. No one actually knows that Toph is a metal bender. They don't know metal bending exists. <gasps> Wait, except yeah. I wonder if somehow behind the scenes, Master Yu and Shin Fu yeah. somehow were rescued and word got out that Toph is a metal bender and somehow made it to Combustion Man. That's too many somehows just to it have is. that be a Oh, thing. I agree. It is a plot hole, but it's plausibly explainable, but they didn't really do it. Yeah, I, I would have much rather preferred them even have that one little scene. Like, remember these guys? Remember what this happened? Well, guess what they did? And it just got back. Like, maybe like a quick, like Edgar Wright style quick cuts to like see how the word <laughs> got to Combustion Man. Yeah, which they did do with word about the Avatar. Remember right. that one little sequence where it's like someone's fish seller said something who told their husband who told their yeah, et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. That would have been I would have been fine with that. They've done it before. I would have been completely OK with that. But uh, no, they yep. just uh, were like, yep, this is a wooden cage for coincidental reasons. Question mark. Okay, let's move on. Question mark. Question mark. I'm done. (laughs) Okay. Also, for anyone who's curious or interested, sashimono is the name for that technique I mentioned, where you can assemble furniture or other wooden items without nails. Yeah. Some distance away, Katara waits to receive the thousand gold coins that was promised for turning Toph in. Except there's something fishy going on. The officer seems to be waiting for something, and we soon find out what that is. The door opens and in walks none other than Sparky Sparky Boom Man. (gasps) That's her, shouts the officer. That's the girl you were looking for. Katara looks up at the looming figure in shock and horror. Back at the camp, Sokka and Aang wonder what could be taking their friends so long. They both agree they should go check it out and leave Hockey and Momo in Appa's capable paws. (laughs) It's a very quick scene, but it's actually really cute because Sokka's like, Appa, you're in charge. And then immediately... They leave and Momo and Hockey start bickering. Yeah. Appa just yells at them. Uh, he's like, Mama. I can't do it. But <laughs> yep. yeah, it's so good. We return to the jail where Katara has joined Toph in her wooden cell. Toph has the unsettling realization that this wasn't a trap for them. It was a trap for Aang. Katara is devastated and miserably shares that all she wanted to do was show Toph that she isn't so motherly and that she can have fun too. Katara, you are fun. If nothing else, you're fun to argue with, Toph says. Katara apologizes for what she said about Toph's parents earlier, and Toph admits that she was angry because maybe what Katara said is true. Beginning to tear up, Toph tells her that while she tries not to think about it, she probably really hurt her parents when she left. It's something that weighs on her now more than it did before when she was just angry at them. Katara embraces her friend, but the moment is short-lived. They hear a disturbance outside and something rocks the building, causing dirt and dust to fall through the cracks in the ceiling. 
Toph tests the wooden grate of the door again and wishes they had something they could bend. What about your meteor bracelet? Katara asks. I left it back at camp. I was worried they would take it, Toph replies as she flops to the floor. What about the metal bracers holding the the cage together? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. You went out of your way to explain the fact that her bracelet is missing. Yeah. Oh, just It's okay. They just wanted the really cool moment where Katara is like innovative and resourceful. Yeah. I guess Katara needs her time to shine too. (laughs) Katara sighs and rubs her hand across her forehead to wipe away the sweat that has started to gather. She looks at her hand and an idea occurs to her. Leaping to her feet, she begins running in place. Um, Katara, are you okay? Toph asks. Just fine, Katara says. She wipes more of her sweat away and reveals to Toph that she's making her own water. Katara, you're a genius. A sweaty, stinky genius, Toph says. Gross. Sweat bending is kind of like blood bending, but like stinkier. Kind of like swamp bending? A little stinky and swampy? That's even grosser. That's even grosser. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually had the thought. I don't know if they use deodorant in this world. So they are probably pretty stinky. Yeah, like not like deodorant like we have, but I would imagine that there is some sort of perfume or something that you can put on. Probably. Probably something. Yeah. Outside, we find out what the disturbance was. Sparky Sparky Boom Man has found Aang and Sokka. The assassin pursues them relentlessly through the city and Aang and Sokka barely escape him each time he attacks. The two friends finally split up and Aang tries to flee along the rooftops, but is thrown into the air when an energy bolt explodes behind him. Aang collides with Ozai's statue and falls to the ground. He looks up as Sparky Sparky Boom Man looms. I'm sorry, I can't keep. (laughs) SSBM. So thank you, SSBM. (laughs) You all try to say Sparky Sparky Boom Man five times fast and not laugh. (laughs) Fair. Aang looks up as SSBM looms over him. And for a moment, it seems like he won't be able to get away. But his friends arrive just in time. Katara bends a block of ice around the assassin's head and pulls Aang to his feet. The friends flee the square and are heading down an alley just as SSBM breaks the ice around his head. He goes to attack them long distance, but Toph bends a rock back along their path and the energy beam hits the rock. It explodes, pieces of rock flying everywhere. A small pebble hits the assassin in the middle of his forehead, right on top of his eye tattoo. He tries to fire another blast, but his chi is blocked and he instead ignites the air around him and gets thrown back into a wall. When he stands up and shakes it off, Team Avatar is gone. Also, during this scene, on their way out, Sokka is struck with inspiration. He comes up with the perfect name, which is so much easier to say than Sparky Sparky Boom Mm -hmm. Man, which is Combustion Man. There we go. Good job, Sokka. Good job. Also, I feel like Combustion Man needs like, I don't know, a shield around his forehead or something just for protection. It's pretty out there, right? It's like... As soon as you realize what's going on and where he has the source of his ability, which is his forehead, it's yeah. an exposed piece of your body. It's yes. like as effective as fantasy armor for women, how yeah. you just have like their whole chest open and like their abdomen, all yep. of your vulnerable internal organs yeah, <laughs> exposed. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, but it looks cool. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Weaknesses, schmeeknesses. That's what they say. That is what they say. Yeah. Late that night, the gang arrives at another camping spot on Appa. Exhausted by their Fire Fountain City adventure, Sokka and Aang prepare to set up camp while Toph hangs behind in Appa's saddle. She stops Katara and asks for her help in writing a letter to her parents. 
Katara smiles and tells her friend she'd be happy to help. Once the letter is complete, they give it to Hockey and send him away on his first and possibly final delivery. I don't want to know what happens to Hockey. I don't want to know either. It can't be good. It's probably not good. He's a half-trained hawk. Hockey, the half-trained <laughs> hawk. <laughs> I love that's, it. That's great. But like, yeah, like, they're like, all right, go. And he can't do anything. He can go within like what? I would say six to 10 feet max is what he can do. Mm-hmm. And there's like, be gone. Yeah, go across the world to deliver this for us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out to see if we get any reference of a note being received by Toph's parents. We should. We should, but I don't think we will. This can go one of two ways. Yeah. Hockey gets lost and lives a beautiful life with Hawk friends. Mm -hmm. Or Hockey gets intercepted and dies a tragic death with his letter undelivered. Yep. Combustion Man's crazy vulture hawk thing. Yeah. Intercepts that one, too. That's that's where my head went. That's where my head went, too. Which poor Hockey. I know. We hardly knew ye. I know. We hardly knew ye, hockey boy. Yeah. But that is our episode. It was an episode. Yes. We got through it. We did it. There were some good parts. Yeah. There were some not so good parts. Yeah. But we hope you enjoyed listening. What about your MVP, Greg? Do you have one? Yes. It's not necessarily... She wasn't the MVP for this episode, but I think she's the MVP of the group. And that was made very obvious. Uh, and that is Katara for me. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of see her influence on Toph and Sokka. And we already kind of knew what it was on Aang, I feel. But we got to really kind of dive in deeper with Sokka's confession, let's say, that he can't really like remember his mom. But Katara is really kind of like who he goes to for that kind of comfort. And I don't know, like all the motherly stuff, essentially, like his sister really fulfills that role. And no one asked her to. She didn't try to do it. It just kind of naturally happened. Mm -hmm. And it would have been very like, I feel like if it was the other way around and Sokka was eavesdropping on Katara and Toph during this kind of heartfelt moment, I feel like he would have like jumped out of a bush and been like, ha, I knew it. And like really rubbed it in their face. But she didn't. She just kind of like accepted it and kind of kept it to herself and tried to mend the relationship or the, the temporary break in the relationship between her and Toph. By yeah. a bonding moment. So for me, it's Katara. Oh, nice. I yeah. think I'm going to have to go to have some variety here. Yes. I think I'm going to have to go with Toph. Okay. Just for the fact that she did experience a little bit of growth in yep. this episode. Yep. She was able to get past her grouchy feelings about Katara and actually come to terms with the fact that, yes, she does miss her parents. And she's been avoiding the fact that she feels really badly that she left them unannounced and they're probably mm. very hurt by it. And so her taking the step to not only understand that, but then ask for help and ask Katara to help her write a letter. Mm-hmm. That's a big step for Toph. Yeah, it really is. I think we can both agree that the runner up would be none other than Hockey, the half trained. Yep. <laughs> I, I got the full title. You ready for this? Yep, Hockey, ready. the half trained Herald. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alliteration is there. I love Hockey. I love it. Sorry, hockey, hockey too. I know. I wish there was more. Oh, well. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. What about your moral of the episode? I think it's actually pretty obvious. I think that no matter how schemey the scheme, no matter how long you manage to evade capture, eventually it will all come back to you. Hmm. Or crime doesn't pay. But it does. Or <laughs> I was going to I was going to amend that. Yeah. Crime doesn't pay in the long run. I mean, it still does. You still get paid. 
You get paid, but it all gets taken away at the end. That's why you got to be sneaky and bury it in the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Bury it in in an unmarked grave. Yeah. Disguise it. Be sneaky. Although I don't think their money was taken away from them. I think they actually got away with it. So nix that. Crime does pay, Mm -hmm. apparently, because they made off with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You're such a bad influence on our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a good moral, like a good, yeah. good general moral, like don't do crime, kids. But then also our heroes did crime and it paid off. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with yours. Yep. It all it all catches back up to you eventually. Yeah, yeah. It catches back up with you in one way or another. Karma. That's what it is. Yep. Well, that is all the time we have for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your five star reviews. Once again, if you want to add to the conversation, you can email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a five-star written review, which we will read on the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can also catch us on Twitter at BoosterGreg, at AcornBandit, or at Podcast Avatar. Yes, yes. And a quick reminder to all our patrons out there who haven't voted yet, The Secret Podcast is live. It's a wonderful 12-ish minutes. There is a poll that is only going on for another two weeks in one day. So who is going to be the official Avatar of the Podcast canon for my pick? Is it going to be Bushing or Hakun? I think it should be Bushing, but you know, you make your decisions. <laughs> if, if you want to listen to this episode and you want to partake in this wonderful voting then you can go to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. And as long as you are part of the 100 year war or above, then you can vote and you can listen and you can see the doodle page you have access to secret podcasts. Yes. Yes. It was so much fun to do. I cannot wait to record the second one. I've been looking forward to the next one. Also, yes. I screenshotted my next pick for <gasps> secret podcast whenever it's my turn. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited about that. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. Okay. And remember, if you've caught up on all the episodes and listened to Secret Podcast, and you read our AMA, and you've seen the Doodle page, you can always join me over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Reminder that Friday nights right now are Phone or Friend Friday, and we are booked up solid up until September. So a good couple months. So you don't want to miss any of those. We have such wonderful other content creators on that segment, and it's always a great time. So come on down and have a good time. <laughs> come on down. Come on down. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also on joysons.com, that website I mentioned earlier, which mm-hmm. is J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com, where I create enamel pins. Mm-hmm. Buy yourself a pin. You deserve it. As Toph would say. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next time. The Blood Moon. And the secret of the Southern Water Tribe. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast. Avatar the Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. Dot com.